Ah, uh, yes. Hello again, everybody. There's the music, and we're back underway. Cool button, uncensored hockey podcast. Sweet 16. They said we wouldn't make 10. Who are these people? We're at 16, and I'm sure we're on our way to 16,000. I'm Steve Coolius with Craig Button. I'm in a great mood. I'm always in a good mood, but I'm wearing pink. I'm, tinkle, I, I'm tickled pink, Craig. You know why? You know why? Because it's U.S. Thanksgiving. You know what that means? A day off for us at SiriusXM. Friday, the games are so packed that we get a day off. I love U.S. Thanksgiving, and you've lived in the States, so I celebrate both Thanksgivings, and nobody, Craig, can tell me I can't do it because I'm doing it. How are you? I'm good. Hey, listen, you you need time off. And American Thanksgiving is a is a phenomenal holiday. It's gathering of family and friends and you know, an appreciation. So, you know, uh, no games on a Thursday. Remember when there used to be just Canadian games on, on a Thursday? Just didn't seem right. And, you know, I know Bob McKenzie has said this before, and, and I'm in his camp, that really Canada needs to move to the American Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> so they align. So they align. That's what we need to have. Yeah. And I am, I'm for it. And then people are going to complain. If we get two, that's great. Michael Rupp said the other day, do you have Black Friday after your Thanksgiving? And I didn't want to explain. Well, ours is on Monday. I think the second Monday in October. Uh, Black Friday, we actually have copied you guys on Black Friday and double dipped. And then Boxing Day is a British thing. We do it. You don't. So that's really our, our Black Friday. I said, Robert, it's all in the name of commerce, right? It's, a, it's capitalism, Mr. Button at its best. And I have no problem with that because I'm scared maybe where we're going. I still believe in capitalism, my friend. And I know you do too. Don't be scared. I mean, in the course of history, there's going to be different uh, uh, challenges that every every civilization comes across. And, you know, if you go back 20 years, you go back 40, you go back 60, you know, think about 08. We had, we had a global recession. We had a global recession. So, you know, we, we're, we're going to have new challenges on after the ones we get past the, today. That's okay. We got smart people in the world. And you know what? Here's what I would say. Here's what I'm going to say on Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for the smart people. And don't listen to the dumb people. Listen to the smart people. Don't pay any attention. I hear it all the time. Oh, well, did you hear what? No, I don't because I don't pay attention to, to the dumb people. I don't pay attention. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. But I'm, I, I don't pay attention. Yeah, I'm with you in that category. Um, mini rants earlier on. Uh, the Kings and Vegas, if they're going to wear those helmets, Craig, in an NHL game at the same time, let me know. I'll listen to the game on the radio, okay? So when I see the only good thing, the only good thing about those helmets for the Kings is uh, Sean Dursey, who had two points in the game. The Kings are 0-2 at the helmets. Is this where we're going? Are you calling timeout that you say this is where – are we going to see the Rangers and Leafs and Habs – like, what do you call these helmets? Like a glow-in-the-dark gazoo? You like the gazoo helmet, Craig? Come on, Craig. I do like the helmets. I like the golden I like the golden knight's helmet. I like the king's silver. I like it. Don't worry, Steve. Don't worry. What happens when the – hey, listen, the, the golden knights came out with white gloves. What happens when they have golden skates? What happens when the Kings start wearing silver skates? Come on. This is, you talk about marketing. This is great marketing. I like it. See, over in Europe, in Finland, years for years, you know, the leading scorer on each team wears a golden helmet. I love it. I love it. You know, you get to see, oh, okay, that's the leading scorer. You don't have to look at your program or look at the league stats. You go, oh, I know who the leading scorer is. I like it. 
maybe they'll start wearing. Remember when the tinted visors came in? You know, I think David Perron wears a little bit of a tinted visor. You know what? Like, what happens when we have gold visors and silver visors? Oh, Steve, you're going to be listening to all the games on radio before long. <laughs> I like when Ovi had it. Uh, Marty complained he yeah. couldn't see his eyes. I thought, too bad. The visors that help scoring is one thing, but the records of Vegas and now L.A. and these gazoo helmets is another. Listen, it's not a hill I'm going to die on, but I'm going to boycott the first time they play together when they wear silver and gold so it's not my kind of thing. Uh, Marty Brodeur designing jerseys, people designing a hat, and it says hat. What are we going to design? I'm Craig. I'm Steve. I'm, I'm Steve in the pink shirt. So what the, the Devils, the U.S., and Team Canada did, I just found underwhelming. Couldn't we go back to the 87 Canada Cup? Or it's the 50th anniversary of the Summit Series. Pay off the Summit Series guys and their families and come out with the 72 sweaters for the Olympic Games. They don't even say Canada on these sweaters. At least the Summit Series had Canada on the back, Craig. That's my (laughs) sweater jersey rants. That's okay on the jerseys. I mean, so you know, sometimes you want to reinvent things that just don't need reinventing, right? Like, I mean... The, the U.S. jersey, the, the Canadian jersey, it speaks for itself. Like, come on. Like, why do you have to redesign something that speaks volumes just by itself? The maple leaf, the stars and stripes, it's all you need. Don't you, you don't need to overthink it. Now, what I will say to you is this. This is my big question of the day to you, my friend, Steve. Are you telling me there's cause and effect because they wear the helmets they lose? You call them the gazoo helmets? Are you are you starting to suggest that the Kings are 0-2 because of the silver helmets? Because we may have a real good discussion here. on Because if you think there's cause and effect on that, right, like get into another business and affect world hunger in a positive way. <laughs> All I know is I asked some of the players, and they said, the defending players said, it, it feels like I know where they are. So the argument is, well, if Mark Stone is wearing gold, then Pacioretty should know where Mark Stone is. So it should help in theory offensively, and there'd be a cancellation effect. But the defending players say, maybe I, maybe at the corner of my eye, I see this, you know, ray of gold or silver, and I know where, they're, where they are. Put it this way. We're very superstitious, mostly a league. Coaches, same tie. Craig, I know you wore the same underwear in the 99 uh, run. Oh, you didn't? You didn't? I, let me tell you this, okay? I, 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 have, I, I don't have a superstitious bone in my body. No? I don't, not, not one. I don't believe in superstitions. I don't believe in jinxes. Not one. That's why I'm asking you my question about cause and effect. That's why I said, like, if you think somebody saying shutout is going to cause somebody to give up a shutout, and you think you believe in that cause and effect, listen, if I believed in superstitions that wearing certain pair of socks – I would go cure. I'd go try to help world hunger. I would try to cure disease around the world. I wouldn't be spending my time on a hockey game talking shut out, shut out, shut out. I don't care. Shut out. You think me saying shut out as a problem? It doesn't. But I respect others that live in the superstitious world, but I don't have a superstitious bone in the body. And let me just tell you this. If you're playing against the Vegas Golden Knights, you better know where uh, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty are all the time. Like, you know, the helmet, right? Speaking of which, I got to just, did you see Connor Garland's move the other night when he, when he, when he dipped it? How, how good was that? That's how I putt. I think one of our friends tweeted at me, Cooley, Connor Garland has your putting stroke and stance. Uh, he didn't get it in either because he didn't get it. And I normally don't get it in either. I got to change my golf style. But um, so 
we can agree to disagree that like Lodge does dictate that superstition is stupid. It does, it does. <laughs> Logic dictates if you're superstitious, it's a weakness of the brain that you need the tie or the underwear to win and everything else. I'll tell you what isn't superstitious. If you have a piece of equipment that's not working, like I didn't, I snapped my beer league stick. I went and bought a new one and we won, Craig. And I set up behind the net and I set up Jeff Luna and we scored and we won. It wasn't the superstition. My stick actually had a crack in it. You, these sticks break so easily. I got a new one. We won. I was dangling. And there you go. So that wasn't a superstition. That was a smart, quick uh, equipment adjustment. And it worked. And we've got a one-game winning streak. And we're back, uh, we're back on the road to success, my friend. Hey, I, I know where you're at on goals for a game. Above five or below five in your, in your, in your win? Because if you tell me it's below five, I'm, I'm not going to be happy. There's one thing I have to explain first. So everyone's listening to the podcast. They want to know who the defenseman that I called out was. I will not call him out by name. They know who they are. We're in a league that I just found out is. We're the old guys in a league. I thought we are over 40 and over 50. It's over 30. The fact that we're competing with these kids and giving them a game. So here's what I've learned. We got to get out of this league. We got to get in a league that's got geezers like us over 40, over 45. When that happens, you know what happens then? I will wear the yellow helmet. <laughs> <laughs> you still didn't tell me if you scored more than five goals or less than five goals. I'm guessing it was under five combined. So the one nothing game, the stick, I'm going to finish on superstition. Here's how I feel. If wearing a certain piece of clothing or doing a pattern helps you perform better, right? I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. Okay. But I'm not superstitious. <laughs> you know who, um, well, they met in the 82 final. Long time ago. Different era. Oh, Islanders, Vancouver. Okay, that was a sweep. When Bossy Con, scored, right? When Bossy Con scored, Smite, Smite trivia. Who was the 82 Con Smite trophy winner? It's easy. 80 is Trache, <laughs> 81 Goring, 82 Bossy, 83 Billy Smith. <laughs> you know everyone, but <laughs> I'm glad you went through the through the Islanders dynasty because it was a dynasty of Conn Smythe Trophy winners, and yeah, Bossy was fantastic in that '82 playoff Stanley Cup run. Yeah, and we're thinking of Mike Bossy. Yes, we uh, are. As uh, it's Hockey Fight Cancer Month, and Happy Thanksgiving again to all our American listeners and the Canadians like you and me, Craig, who do celebrate it. So the Islanders is. Do you believe in this? I don't even know what a quarter pole. Somebody said a quarter pole is a quarter left in the race, not a quarter. Uh-huh. Into the it race. is. Okay. So that's then true. we care about attention to detail. So we're at the 20 game mark on average. Some are 21. Some teams are lower. So do you have a Thanksgiving, not superstition theory in your career as a manager, as a, a director of player development, um, as a broadcaster that says, okay, there's a big sample size. Do you believe in the Thanksgiving sample size, Craig? Uh, well, what I believe in is, is that Thanksgiving was always kind of at that quarter pole, uh, quarter mark, not the quarter pole, quarter mark. And, uh, you know, like this year, because the season started a little bit later, you know, you, there, there might be just a little bit smaller sample size. But 20 games, which is a quarter of the season, I think gives you a really, really good barometer of where you're at. Now, in the in the 2001-2002 season, 
our Calgary Flames, when I was the manager, we started out great. So my, my barometer at that point in time was really, really high. It was great. We ended up falling off and we didn't even make the playoffs. So what I look at is the math. I, I look at the math, Steve. I just look at the math. The, the league is tight. We know that league, we got lots of parity. I, I use 96 points as, as, as a base. So when I look at 20 games and I, you look at the Islanders, the Islanders have five wins. Okay. I think 96 points, you know, you start to look, what, what are they? Five, nine, and three. Is that five, nine, and because they've only played 17 games, I believe. Yeah. Well, they went five, six, and two on the road trip, right? That's right. 13 and they're 0 and three at home. So five, nine, and two. Yeah. So, so now, so they're not, they're not quite there yet at the 20 game mark, but, but what you can do is look, okay, they have 12 points. They need 84 points to get to the 96 point mark. That means they need 42 wins in their next 65 games. Start doing the math. That's what I do. I do the math. (laughs) So people go, yeah, there's possible. Yeah, there is possibility, but probabilities start to decrease significantly. The Montreal Canadiens. The Montreal Canadiens have to win 42 of their next 61 games to get to 96 points. Steve, it's not happening. It's just not happening. It, well, I shouldn't say, I mean, the probability of it happening is as close to zero without it being zero as it can be. It just does, you just can't turn it. So when I look at this point in the season, 20 games, let's call it 20 games, it used to be 23, 24, maybe 25 by Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think it's a real good barometer for where you're at. Here's the challenge from where I see it. It, for teams now it's hard to make in-season trades it's hard to you know your team is formed in the summer so you know and you how optimistic is everybody in the summer you know how they are right they're optimistic there's no now reality space. sets in there's no cap space like, like, right. like so phil kessler will be traded bill armstrong was on the show he yeah. says great answer i i talked to phil all phil's cap hit is 6.8 1.2 in toronto the real money's low, but the cap has to work. So as we've done trade deadline after trade deadline, 75% of the cap space is gone. So you need that to be gone. A team can retain some. They can go through Phoenix or Arizona to share cap space. Teams that have it can say, come through us, come through Detroit and, and facilitate a trade. But it can't happen this early because everyone's at 81.5. So it, it, it can't happen. So you have to wait. And, and what does waiting do for teams who are struggling? It decreases their probability because they can't get Joe Thornton from Boston like San Jose did in 05. I think that anniversary is coming up uh, yeah, November 30th, 2005. Why do we remember stupid things? But So I look at these teams and think, okay, in elections, there's 100 polling stations. Five come in, 5%. And then you look at those numbers, and then they translate for the rest of the polls because that's a sample. Like, why should things be different? Well, maybe people live in a certain area and it's different, but polling stations are usually in smaller groups. So this sample size is 25% of the season, which means Islanders are in trouble. I believe more in the Islanders than I would in Montreal or Vancouver. Like I, I just think, you know, and I, then that means, well, Calgary's really good. Do I still believe in the ducks? Like these are the probabilities. And I guess something else in what we've seen and maybe it's a great talking point is what's the definition of an insanity? You do the same thing again and again, and, and, and nothing changes. So how are the Leafs? They were number two until the Jersey goal last night, killing penalties without Zach Hyman team defense without Zach Hyman. Have they finally figured it out? You know, camps hurt cautious in, is it show me, show me in April and May, or do you think this 
changing of style defensively and a little bit more grit. Do you believe in this sample size at the 21 game mark for Toronto, Craig? I see it in your face. You, I, know, I don't know if you really do. Yeah, I do. But I think, I, I, I think it's both of those things, Steve. I, you know, I, I've used this term. I, I, I've used this term to describe the Leafs season. And I said this at the outset of their season. There's going to be a middle, a beginning, a, a, a beginning, a middle, and a beginning. And by that, what I mean is there was going to be a beginning to the season which was going to give the, the, the coaching staff, Kyle Dubas, the general manager, an opportunity to evaluate their team. And then they were going to get to the middle. Where are we at? What do we need to reinforce our team? You know, how are the new additions working? What, what's our style, right? Which was going to set up potential moves for the next beginning, which was the playoffs. And, and I give you as exhibit A, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They got swept four straight games by the Columbus Blue Jackets after a record-setting year. And you go back to that year, yeah, everybody's dying to get back to, to kind of get past, you know, to, to fix what went wrong. Well, they went through the beginning. Then Julian Breesbaugh was able to look at the team. And what did he do? He added Barkley Goudreau. He added uh, Blake Coleman. He, he, they ended up signing Zach Bogosian just prior to the trade deadline, right? So that was the middle, which set them up for the next beginning. Now, that year, we had the, we had the pause. So, the, so the, the next beginning, the playoffs, didn't begin until July, until August. And they won the Stanley Cup. I think that's where the Toronto Maple Leafs are. Like people say, the regular no, the regular season does matter because it's going to set you up to understand where you got to strengthen. They've made changes. Okay, Zach Hyman's a terrific player. They knew that, and we're not. They were top ten last year in defense. I think this year, uh, you, you know, they've moved into the top five category. They have a goaltender that's that, that's been excellent. I, I think they've settled in with their defense pairs. I mean, Justin Hall and Muzzin had a, had a tough start. They settle back in. You know, they were going to score. They were doing everything that said they're going to score. The fact that their goals at four were down, like, it wasn't a, do you believe they can score? No, I know they're going to score. I know they're going to score because they have too much. And, and now what you're seeing is, as a team, see, it's, I don't think it's so much about grit. I think they have lots of grit. I think it was about understanding there's times in the games where you got to play a certain way. I think last year against the Montreal Canadiens, they didn't adjust. They didn't adjust. Montreal adjusted to Toronto, and Toronto never adjusted. You know, and I see a real, hey, listen, there's no play there. Let, everybody wants to hold the puck, Steve. Like everybody, there's times when you got to give up the puck and not turn it over at the blue line. And I think there's also another thing. I made this note last night watching the Leafs game. Did you watch uh, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan? I did not. I'm probably one of the few people that did not. I think the, uh, the Lion King storyline kind of got to me and uh, – uh, you know that guy with the he's in jail now yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so i was spending more time on that but uh, go ahead go ahead he, well, no but like so in, in that thing phil jackson had to convince michael jordan that by including more of his teammates in the in, in in the process instead of it all being about him would not only make him better would make the entire team better but then he had to go to the other players and say hey listen you guys got to perform because michael's got exacting standards <laughs> and so i'm watching the game last night and I'm seeing there was a couple of plays. Mitch Marner loves to have the puck on his stick. There's a couple of plays where you can see he's looking for a play. And sometimes a simple play is just give it to the guy. And I can and I made the note, I go, does Mitch Marner have to be convinced to a certain extent that he's got to do what Michael did? Give up the puck a little bit more. Like, you know, like, and, you know, don't just give it up to Matthews, give it up to other players. Yeah. But it's just things I'm watching for. But, but I, see, I see a development in their game. This is a good team, Steve. It's a good team, right? 
But I also think understanding how they're going to have success and how they're going to play and how other teams are playing them is real key. Yeah, there was a time that they, the puck possession game was almost too much. They had yeah. it so much that they didn't take it into high danger and to a danger spot. They had it so much, it was the Gretzky delay, set up shop, look for other guys as opposed to dropping the shoulder, going to the net, because you're already 23 seconds into your shift here. So this is where I got my energy. This is where I'm going to change the look. If they know we're always on the perimeter, we're always going to be a perimeter team. There's a time to take it in, have a garage sale, and get a little bit dirty. And before, they always hung on, brought it back, set up shop. But now there's times, as you've said, and I've noticed too, they'll send it in. There's times to play many different ways to win. And when you always have it, yeah, you make plays, but you give it up. There's times that they were square peg, round hole. Nope, we refuse to do it. This It's this way. It's only the – no, there's many. And we talked about the Islanders before. That 80 Islanders, they, they, they almost came and said, okay, what do we want to eat? What do you want to eat? I can do it anyway. You want to be tough? You want to play defense? You want to score? And they taught the Oilers a lesson, right, in 83, and the Oilers had to figure it out. So that's what I'm saying is – this ties in nicely. And like Jackie Gleason, we don't rehearse, so this is going to work well. Tampa, they blew it. They lost to Columbus, and they realized, oh, that 62-win season, that doesn't mean it. Didn't the Red Wings have a similar season under Scotty? And yep. that, that doesn't mean it. So now we watch the adjustment because the Leafs are just Tampa a few years ago, and now the, the proof will be in the pudding, and the way it work, could work out is it could go Florida 1, Toronto and Tampa 2, so then Toronto could get Tampa to try to beat Tampa in the playoffs. But it's fun watching the development, whether – when we were younger, the changing of the guard as the Oilers learned from the Islanders. Remember, the Islanders lost two. Then the Oilers lost, and they won. So Tampa lost. Capitals lost. The Red Wings lost. And this development of our game is intriguing as teams make these tweaks and changes. I'm not saying it's Zezel. God love you, Zez. Miss you. Berg and Osborne. But they might have something here if camp's okay and Kasha on the Leafs' third line. That's interesting because guess what? That's what Tampa needed. And how did that third line do last year in the playoffs, Craig? Well, yeah, well, they, they, they were terrific. And, 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 and we know how, how good they were. But, but again, balance. Like, you know, you're, you're not going to ask Coleman, Gord, and Goodrow to do the same things that, that Point and, and, and Kucherov do, right? Like, and, and you're not going to ask Kalorn and Sorelli and those guys to do – like, it's different. So, so when you have different style of players, you, like, you know, yeah, you, you want to play – you, you know what like team identity whatever see what i like is the is a chameleon approach it's why i'm such a huge new new england patriots fan bill belichick changes his game plan based on who they're playing he changes it within the game and his his players always say you know bill recognized what we had to do he recognized that this plan wasn't working and he wasn't afraid to throw out his plan because he recognized and 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 that's what it's about that in-game adjustments between game adjustments you know you think about the I, I, I think back to game seven last year, Toronto and Montreal. And I think about the first goal of the game, Mitch Marner carrying the puck through the neutral zone, turnover at the blue line, other way. And it's one, nothing. And, you know, and it, and it was that play to me that kind of defined, uh, you know, where the Leafs had to, had to make changes. Like, you know, like last year, you know, Tor Toronto was one of the worst teams at giving up goals off of turnovers in, uh, at the blue line on the rush. 
That was a real telling thing. And, and, and that tells you that, you know, it happened to the Oilers in 86. Glenn Sather said, we're going to have to put the puck behind them. We want to carry it. And the Flames taught them a lesson in 86 too, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, so Thornton gives away a puck. That's how they lose game one. Right. Turner gives away a puck. That's how they lose game seven. Galchenyuk gives away a puck. That's how they lose the, the game, game six. Yeah. No, or game, was that game five? That was game five, right? The, right. the, the first shift to Galchenyuk. So there's three at the blue line. And then you can just throw in the Dermot, give the puck away in his own zone. So they literally passed four pucks to Montreal Canadian players that eventually won the game, three of which, which you said at the blue line. So I find it fascinating because, you know, I love the X's and O's. Remember I asked the question who invented the one, three, one, and you know, I threw it out to NHL coaches. So apparently, you know, the, you know, the guy who the guy is apparently it's Adam Oates. Apparently it's Adam Oates. I got a birdie that said, Stevie, it's Adam Oates. He did it. Not a coach in Europe, not uh, a current coach, uh, head coach in the NHL and about being creative, Craig, because you've seen it all. The 87 Canada cup, Lemieux, Gretzky, Messier, Coffee Bork, two defensemen, you know, and, and, and you said in other times in hockey we have, but we haven't gone the one, three, one style and, and everything else. So I love that creativity. Like what's next? I see teams change their penalty kill. Oh, you're going to do the drop back. We're going to take that away. What are you going to, Oh, I don't know. We're going to, so I just love it. And I think I'm with you, with Ludzi, with Ozzy, uh, with Dennis, I've just fallen in love with the X's and O's more than ever before. Like I see what the, Oh, that, Oh, they're using this power play breakup. That's what's going on. And it's not just compete momentum, uh, you know, all this stuff. And when I see it, I, I just, I'm fascinated by it. If Craig, if I was 20 right now, I would have called you and said, hi, I'm named Steve Cooley. I just graduated from Ryerson. I'd like to start in the Dallas stars organization, filling up water about it because I just, I, I just love the X's and O's. And I think sometimes people use the numbers analytically because they don't see the X's and O's. So it's a way to explain it to them, but I love it. And I'll give you an example of just watching Miro Haskinen on Connor McDavid two nights ago and going, wow, they're bumping McDavid. They're swarming McDavid. Uh, the stars did a great job in that game, right? Uh, the power plays one and four, and they really scored three, but I'd even strength Miro Haskin and wow. And, and, and I see Ken Hitchcock when he did it, when he got the blackboard and team cannon said, see this stuff outside the dots. It doesn't matter. We're going to win this tournament inside the dots. Oh, I get the back of my hair. T- I just, that, that, oh, I love that stuff so much, Craig. And I got to give Miro Haskin and Craig because I thought, bravo, bravo. And what Rick Bonus did to shut down McDavid the other night. One game this year, McDavid has not registered a point. Haskin's night. Yeah, well, it's fascinating too. And you think about there's there's been lots of different innovations. You know, I remember I remember a couple of things that quickly come to mind. Scotty Bowman used three defensemen on the power play. He didn't really? use five forwards. He didn't use yeah. The points of Arden Robinson played on the point like they all were on the power play. He used three defensemen. <laughs> like you know, people don't remember that. I mean, Glenn Sather would put Glenn Anderson in the penalty box to serve bench minors. And people go, why would you put Glenn Anderson? He said, because I want my best player coming out of the penalty. I want my best player that isn't killing penalties to come out of the penalty box. The other teams use their, they've expended energy. Like that's thinking, right? Like, yes. and it, like how many times you hear, well, why would you, your best player that isn't killing penalties should always serve your bench minor penalties. Always. It should be an edict in coaching manuals 101. Yeah. You don't put the goon to come out of the box and then there's the breakaway. Oh my goodness. Why did I put Tony twist in there? God, I love you, Tony. That's not your role. And anecdotally, how many times do you see and coming out of the breakaway, Zach Wierenski, you know, I mean, Zach's case, he took the penalty, but I'm just using that as the latest example. You have a choice. Who doesn't kill a penalty in Toronto? Well, Matthews doesn't. Matthews goes in the box. 
that's the way to do it. So yeah, I love the thinking and it's kind of been one of our themes moving forward. Uh, what else about the US Thanksgiving, the break and maybe overall the crackdown? Are, are you happy? Like our, Obi and I got into an argument and he says, yeah, not enough physicality in the game, like in front of the net. I said, what do you mean like cross-checking? Yeah. What, what other physicality? Well, you know, in the corner, riding the guy into the board, but like from behind, we need fake physicality for, Craig, you're still allowed to body check. You're, you're allowed to body check. The guys are coming in the league, the Zegerses, right? I'm saying the, the Jack Hughes, the latest group, the Barzells or whatever. It wasn't part of their game on an ongoing basis. So guys that are coming in aren't the guys that say, well, I'm a bottom six guy. Yeah, that's what uh, Brian Burke says. So all I'm going to do is run around for 35 seconds and nail anybody and get the heck off the ice. They make plays. So maybe there's less of those type of body checks, but we have more skill and we have more plays. I think the stuff in front of the net, I'm not going to allow a guy to cross-check a guy just to create fake physicality. I think where we are in this mix right now of goals and chances, I, I hope that you are with me and liking what we're seeing. I hear a lot of older guys say, nope, there's just not enough physicality. Where are you on this work-life balance of physicality to skill in the NHL? I am with you. Just let's, let me reassure you quickly. I, I am with you. You know, one of the things what we have to realize, Steve, and, and, and OB is no different than other players. So Zegris and, and, and the players, they were born in 2001. So they're not, they're not conditioned to a, to a game that was played in the 80s and 90s. Players that were born, like Sidney Crosby was born in 1987, for an example. So his, his, him growing up, the 90s are, are, are him playing hockey. Early 2000s, you know, is when he went to play junior, right? So that's embedded in his head. OB, that's the same with him. So those those players, and, and certainly Sydney is, is a player still playing, but that's what they knew. That's what they remembered. And, and you know, even, even players, like, and I go back to the 85 draft or the 90, uh, the 03 draft, because that was the 85 boards. Yeah. Because, you know, Ryan Getzlaff's still playing. Dion Phaneuf just retired. Jeff Carter's still playing, right? Like, you know, Ryan Suter's still playing. I use it. But they grew up. They grew up. They grew up in the, in the, in the early, through the 90s and early 2000s. That's what's in their mind in the game. The kids now, they, they go go talk to a kid about you know you know fighting and changing momentum through a fight. They don't remember. They they go what? What are you talking about? I ask. I tell players go talk to a fifteen year old kid or a seventeen year old kid about that. They don't know. So the so the the fact is is the game was different, Steve. It was different. Okay. Imagine trying to try to tell those players about bench clearing brawls. Talk to Ob about bench clearing brawls. Go, don't like that. That's what it was until they eradicated that. But there was a generation that came through that uh, era, right? So we're in a new generation, Steve, and and the new generation is there's going to be an adjustment to more physicality or to a different kind of physicality, not more, a different kind. So what, what Obi's talking about, like you, you you can still hit somebody along the boards, you just can't hit them from behind. You can still <laughs> battle in front of the net, you just can't cross check them. And have you ever watched an NFL game? Like from field level, very hard because we're used to being up. So you you really need to know where the holes are and because down. There, but not even I'm going right to the line of scrimmage. Right. Have you ever watched it from from the? So if you ever go and watch an NFL game or CFL game at field level, watch the line of scrimmage. Okay, they're not allowed to hold. They're not allowed to kick. It is fierce physicality, fierce, and the same thing can happen in hockey. You just got to fight for your position and somebody's fighting like you can with your shoulder. You just can't use your stick or your arms. 
Like, and I know the NFL had the same issue. Oh, the game isn't so tough. Oh, the game. And so it's the same narrative we're getting in hockey now. No, we're, we're progressing. And that, that, that's what you want your sport to do. You want it to progress. It doesn't mean that where players played, that's what they grew up with. But the game's progressing. And the, the, you use Trevor Zegras and, you know, Cole Caulfield scores, scores his first goal on uh, Wednesday night uh, in Washington. You know, that, that's the way these players play. And I, I watch the game. I watch the young kids. I go to junior games, right? There's physicality. It's a different kind of physicality. It's body-on-body battles. That's what it is. Yeah, and we could argue back when there was a little less skill and we allowed more that that go-kart, bumper-car hockey wasn't good. Guys went out there just to shift disturb, and it wasn't great. It was uh, I called it unnecessary checks. Um, the Russians used to criticize Canada and say, you try to separate man from head when you body check. We separate man from puck. The reason I want to body check you is either to leave it for a teammate or for me to bump you off the puck so I can get it. There is something to intimidation and the big Stevens or Fanuf check, but a lot of the times it's the big check and then, oh, that's a two-on-one the other way or whatever it is. The body checking is an art to get the puck. When you don't have it, we want to get it back. And right now all the stats say, oh, they lead in hits. Yeah, because they don't have the puck. They're playing the whole game chasing the puck. So they're throwing the weight around. The team that's got the puck isn't throwing any body checks. So I look at it that way to say the, the physicality for a reason, not just fake physicality. And I like the balance. Maybe the, uh, some of the old timers don't as it relates to where we are right now. But, but it is exciting. I guess the only issue I have right now, short, short term, Craig, would be COVID, COVID Thanksgiving, COVID Christmas, COVID for the Olympics. Can all this stuff go off without a hitch? Um, I know you're not a doctor. You don't play one on TV. I defer when I know I don't know. You give me the CBA Coles notes, two and a half pages. I can read that. I understand what I need to understand for the CBA. When it comes to the COVID situation, what I saw in San Jose and Pittsburgh and Ottawa, it's, it's, it's scary. We're going home. The players are close. So are we playing the Olympics? Do we, do we know? Um, where are you on getting the year in as safely as possible? Well, you know, it's, it, it's fluid, Steve. It's a fluid situation. Uh, I, I think that the NHL has, has, been, has been exemplary in being fluid. And, you know, there's always going to be criticism. Should the Ottawa Senators been stopped, uh, shut down sooner? You know, the Islanders situation, what should be happening there? You know, I saw, I saw the San Jose Sharks playing Winnipeg with a, with a, without their head coach and with uh, a, a shortened line, uh, you know, a, a lineup that didn't have regulars in it. So, you know, but the NHL has shown very, very, very well. And I say exemplary with respect to being fluid. Okay, what, what information do we have today? I, I don't think we should be making decisions today about February. I know there's dates that we have that have to be in line and everything, but let's let's use the time to understand more fully before we make decisions one way or another that, that, that we might why did we make that decision then? And I think the NHL, remember when the NHL came back and the return to play? Remember how much criticism there was? Oh, I can't believe they're doing this. They didn't have a positive test. You know, they got back playing. There was there was a lot of joy from people, uh, from the players playing, from people watching. That was wonderful. And I think it's the same thing with the Olympics. Everybody wants to see uh, a best on best, and the Olympics afford that opportunity. You know, now we're now we're dealing with uh, with COVID in in a way that, that we have to manage it from a health point of view. 
what, what, what that's going to look like, how it's going to look. I don't know. I mean, Tokyo came off. They had the Tokyo Olympics, right? So, you know, let's see what ends up happening. Let's just wait. And I, I, I'm like you, Steve. I trust the medical professionals. I trust them. Okay. Does it mean that they always make the absolute right decision? No, but I'm not going to make better decisions than them. <laughs> so I'm not going to get, I'm not going to start saying that. I, like, you know, I, I'm a big believer. I don't know if you've ever read it. I, I, I love uh, Churchill, Winston Churchill, love, you know, like the history really of cool. Churchill, everything yeah. he did. And uh, with respect to the war and Britain and everything, but he he was a writer. He wrote a six volume set on the uh, Second World War. It's 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 unbelievable. I've read it a few times. Ray Ferraro has the six volume set now. My aunt gave it to me. Nice nice bound set. So he's trying to read it. But anyway, long story short, Churchill said, "I will only talk about things that I judged at the time. If I didn't have a comment at the time, I will just report it as fact." that somebody else did this. I'm not going to weigh in after the fact with my opinion. If I didn't have a, if I didn't have an opinion in a position at that time. So that's where I'm at. I find too many people back to where our conversation, they love to tell you, you know, what they should have done. Well, I can tell you this. There's a lot of things I can tell you I should have done after the fact. And I'm going to trust the medical professionals, right? (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Everybody's a great redrafter. It's one of the worst exercises in our business let's redraft and excuse me (laughs) of course the rangers wouldn't have taken hugh jessamine had they known he was the only (laughs) guy that didn't play the only guy that didn't make it from the 85 Uh, and matthew is a funny story when glenn drafted him he paraded him into the dressing room said here's the next star of the new york rangers and matthew apparently said under his breath yeah we'll see about that well I guess in that case, uh, Matthew was right. So uh, a few minutes left. I'm having a lot of fun. I might wear pink a lot because I'm tickled pink uh, before we hit final thoughts. And we're almost there right now. I just love also, we talked about Jay Bowmeister, Mark Edward Vlasic, the defensive defenseman. You talked about the Montreal's big three. They can play it any way you want. Um, the Adam Pellicks of the world, Devontae's Devontae's back and then healthy. And then took a little bit. And look at Kale McCarr now. I love the line. I think John Butchacross used it the other night. Kale McCarr is Connor McDavid from the back end right now. What he's like, the, the moments when we just go, oh, my God. And, and so he's there now. And it's great when you've got that guy. And I know because you guys in your day paired up the, you know, the stay at home and then the gift. The stay at home and the gift and everything else. I like Pelic and Pulak. I think they're not going to both go for Team Canada. I think Pelic will be there because, you know, he's part of Barry Trotz. I just love giving credit to defensemen who know the Willie Mitchells. There's two nets you said last week. I love that line. I'm going to use it with the kids. They're both as important because you score three, but give up four. That's a deficit. And we know a lot about deficits at this time of the year uh, where we are right now. It's about being in the pluses. And there's a plus of being Jay Bolmeister and giving up nothing. Canada won in 2014, the Babcock stuff. They didn't need Carey Price. They got... F3 and team defense won. The U.S. had zero high danger in the one, zero high danger in the one nothing game. So I want love to the McCars, but I want to give loves, love out to the defensive defensemen that don't get enough for shutting down and getting in the way. So kudos to the Devontae's and kudos to the Adam Pellicks of the world when they're at their best and healthy. Um, that's how you win hockey games too. So a shout out to them, Craig. Hey, Steve, I'm going to go back to my football analogy, okay, and comparison. So you can have a great quarterback, right? If you don't have a good offensive line that can protect that quarterback, doesn't matter how great he is. You, 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 need, you need him to pass block. 
you, you can have you can have a great quarterback and great life. If you don't have receivers that can catch the ball, <laughs> you know what? You're you're wasting other talents, right? And so you, you you can't ask wide receivers to go and play on the offensive line. You can't have, ask offensive linemen to play, be wide receivers. Everybody has a role. You use the term about Lou Lamarillo talking about the symphony. You know, you have your conductor and you have your your celloist and you have your trombone player and you have your violin, violinist, right? And everything that goes with it, right? And and you make this beautiful music together. It's no different than a, it's no different for a hockey team. And every player has a role on the team, and every player you you know needs to bring the best of their abilities. You know, I have a saying. Everybody says your best players have to be your best players uh, in the playoffs or whatever. I, I, I I've adjusted that to say. You need everybody, you need all your players to play to the best of their abilities. If that's eight minutes, give me your best eight minutes. If that's 25 minutes, give me your best 25. Just And, and teams that are successful, you can look at them and go, everybody were, was the best they could be. And so that's when, when you talk about Willie Mitchell or you talk about Adam Pellick or, you know, Darian Hatcher, who was the first uh, American captain uh, of a Stanley Cup team. You know, they were all critically important to, to success and they will continue to be critically important to the success of teams. And, and you can never forget that. And, you know, and the bottom line is you look at Devontae's and he's playing with McCarr. This is what's fascinating back to the Olympics. The, con- the, the players that get themselves in the conversation. Right. Like, you know, Tristan Jari, who's had a great year, but he can't be in the conversation right now because he wasn't on the long list. Now, I don't know how you adjust for injuries or anything. I don't know. Devontae, is he in the mix? Andrew Mangiapane, is he in the mix? I keep saying, well, who are you taking off? But, you know, the fact is, is some of these players are saying, wait a sec. I got a red light here. You're watching me play. You, You better think about me. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. So much fun. Uh, well, you mentioned American captain uh, to your uh, Dallas Stars in uh, 1999. So you know what? On this American Thanksgiving uh, day and weekend, be good, be safe, be careful, everybody. Uh, it'll be a quiet day, and then the hockey continues. Enjoy it, Craig. We'll talk again on Monday. Be well. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. Episode 16 is in the bank. Gobble, gobble. Have a great weekend.